Yeah. Well, absolute pleasure all the way from Australia, Brisbane. Wow. Uh, Formula One driver is the first for the show, so really, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Mark. No worries. Yeah. Yeah, you. good. Mark, racing seems to be in your blood from you, you know, such a young age. But what attracted you to the sport in the first place? Uh, well, definitely my, my father had a huge influence on me when I was a young lad. I think that um, I didn't realise how lucky I was growing up in a rural area. Uh, I thought that was relatively normal to have, you know, small farms and, and um, you know, as you guys have, you know, in very similarly in, in South Africa, sort of sometimes, you know, the area and space that we have to, to play in. And as a youngster, learn uh, how to take risks and, and, and balance the appetite of enthusiasm against... Uh, you know, crashing and having injuries and all the rest of it um, under my father's guidance. But um, I think that, you know, I did play a lot of sports when I was young and I think that my, I just keep, I was finding myself watching a lot of motorsport on TV, you know, whether it was two wheels or four wheels. Uh, I, I really enjoyed watching that and, and I would often think about, you know, they're sort of my real heroes, the guys that were, were doing that. So Starting on motorbikes at a young age, not really racing, but, you know, mucking around on motorbikes on the farm. And then very, very fortunately, and I think this is, you know, crucial in all young sports, uh, whatever your sport is, that if there's a local outlet for your passion, and in the case for me, there was a small go-kart track not far from our area. So I had a chance to have that passion sort of, um, you know, sort of bleed into an area which was which was uh you know convenient for me uh, to have the go-kart tra track close by so naturally if there's not a, an outlet or an opportunity for someone to have the opportunity to to at least try your passion to start with then you know, naturally it's really never really going to happen so that was really fortunate um that the track was close by and and yeah it really went from there i was uh yeah between you know started on bikes when i was sort of six or seven i suppose and then go-karts from 12 13 and then and that was it. The other sports really took a backseat role and I started to get more and more serious. And, and when you realize then you're getting more and more, you know, competitive and confident and um, you move your way up through the ranks. Yeah, and you moved your way up the ranks. You did. And you did so, so well, Mark. And we'll touch on that a bit later. Exactly. Right, but when you actually made your, your Formula One debut, was it a sort of feeling of, oh, my word, it's actually here? Or was it, yeah, I agree. This is where I should be. This has come naturally to me. Yeah, well, naturally there's... There's plenty of nerves. I mean, obviously, whether you're you know, having your first test match for the Springboks or, you know, for, for the cricket team or anything that's so... Uh, it's a ginormous moment in your in your career. You are... I was, you know, borderline professional before that, working with professional people, and there was mm. very high standards. But when you officially get your first Formula One drive and you're going to compete on the grid with, you know, only 22 guys and you're going to race wheel to wheel. And it's very much, of course, a very individual sport at that point when you're on the track, even though we have a huge team around us. But um, so, yeah, it was in my home country. It was a complete fluke. That's where the calendar worked. But uh, Australian Grand Prix for my first race, you know, a huge amount of interest and, and uh, focus on me. Uh, I was not in the best team by a long shot, but um, it was still all relative to me in terms of my, my expectations and performance on, on what I wanted to do it was a great opportunity to show that I was ready for the task. And uh, that turned out to be the case. Uh, it went pretty well. But naturally, uh, you know, a lot of healthy nerves uh, for the occasion, um, treating it, of course, extremely seriously and, um, you know, wanting, wanting to do well. And, and, yeah. and, and I suppose being composed under pressure as well as best as I could and, and just take the moment in as best I can, you know, sort of day by day. It's a three-day weekend for us. There's a lot of 
big things, a lot of firsts. That's the thing. You can get a lot of advice, but naturally you've got to go through these scenarios yourself and, and how you handle it. Absolutely. Sure. But then Mark, just how fit, and I don't know if we understand exactly how fit you have to be in and how do you get fit? I mean, cause there's so, there's so much to it and you are under a mm. of pressure in, in more ways than one. How fit or how do you get to be? Yeah. So yeah. It's a really misunderstood sport. I think on mm. the, on the human conditioning side, um, unfortunately, I was quite tall for my for my job. So uh, for myself, being at 183 centimeters was not exactly the the right height to be inside a car. Interesting. Um, so ergonomically, it was quite challenging for me to fit in those cars. They want the cars very small in the cockpit area. You know, the pedal box, the sort of the area where we put our ass. You know, that's got to be quite tight um, in terms of making sure we have enough room in that area with seat belts and seats and you know, fire extinguishers and boxes and, and, and sort of control boxes and electronic boxes. It's very, very tightly packaged in there, a little bit like a fighter jet. So, yes, for me um, and for all drivers, you know, you know, from, we had to be, you've got to be very lean. So, you know, you don't want to carry any extra, any extra weight that you don't need because it's like a jockey, right? I mean, people might think you've got a huge amount of horsepower in the car, which we do. But um, our performance is measured on such small incremental values in terms of the stopwatch that we, you know, a half a kilo, if you're over by half a kilo, obviously that, that is uh, detrimental to your performance. So weight control is very, very important. Um, and with that comes an incredible amount of travel. You know, it's not that we're doing, you know, four races a year or three races a year. And you can pick and choose the tournaments you want to do if you're feeling good, if you're feeling bad. We have no choice, mate. We are doing 18 races around the world. If you feel rough, if you feel good, if you get run down, if your immune system's compromised because of the amount of jet lag you've got, um, you know, that's what we sign up for. We're not complaining at all. That's part of the profession. You've got to be lean, fit and strong. Um, the G-forces are very high. Yeah. You know, your lower back, your shoulders, your neck. Um, the cars do really take it out of you and you're in there for two hours sometimes and the heat is is very high if you think about singapore and malaysia um i know you guys get some hot days in in, in south africa as well so you think about some of the hottest days and generally we raced back then at two o'clock in the afternoon Ooh. um so it was always pretty wow. toasty yeah. um so yeah i think that you know we can lose up to two kilos in a grand prix in terms of weight <laughs> um so people think that we have i suppose it's a it's a and look, I'm a huge sports fan, as I said, you know, whether it's boxing, whether it's, you know, I'm happy to put my hand up and say, you know, which sports uh, you, you've got to be the fittest for. Um, and there's some dark horses out there, like even motocross, like supercross guys on their motorbikes. Like they will be yeah. up in the, I think they'd be in the top top three in the world in yeah. terms of the fittest guys, in terms of all-round fitness. Um, they are extraordinary on their, on their, on their endurance levels and the all-round agility and movement and... So yeah, it's um, motorsport is, is sometimes misunderstood in terms of the levels of fitness required. And Mark, you know, I would assume that's why you almost have a weekend's break. So you'll race, have a weekend's break, have a race again, just to recover. And obviously do a whole lot of setting up things like it. Because yeah, it would take an immense strain on the body. And if you're losing two kgs for a race, you need to recover somehow. Sure. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, that's right. That's right, mate. Yeah, we, we have, um, we do have you know, uh, some gaps. Normally it is like a two weeks in between the events, but um, sometimes we have like a triple header. We have three races on the bounce. And back in, you know, when I first started competing, we would test during the week. So we would drive the cars during the week as well. So, you know, often you can still, you can, sometimes you could do 45 days of driving the car 
in the season on top of the, you know, 18 events and then you've got your travel and whatnot. So, you know, at its peak, you're looking at, you know, back in the day, you could easily do sort of 180 nights in hotels a year. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's, um, but that's what it is. You know, uh, we, we have a tremendous team around us. Uh, when I finished in F1, you know, up to 800 people in a team or 900 people in one team working to make the car as quick as possible. You know, huge budgets and, and a lot of, yeah. um, you know, the standards and Formula One is cutting edge. You know, it is every department is pushing the boundaries on, on performance and, and that's pushed to the driver clearly as well. Absolutely, absolutely. But talking about sort of pushing boundaries, um, how critical is your timing around corners? You know, given that, you know, on straights you can unleash all your power and go absolutely flat out. Um, timing is everything, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. I mean, technique uh, with our, it's like any sport again, you, you know, if you're you know, driving well, if it's coming at you a bit easier, if it's, if you're, you know, whether you're a golfer or a tennis player or, you know, whatever your sport is, then you know that naturally if you're, if you're driving really, really well and, 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 and generally if it's coming at you pretty slow, you know, so if you're, if you're seeing it early uh, and, you know, that um, your anticipation is, is, is very, very high, then you're going to be, you know, going to be driving pretty well. Um, you know, for us, obviously, you know, un unlike a lot of other sports, yes, you know, I mean, rugby union, yes, um, a little bit cricket, but um, in terms of, you know, we naturally, we have to manage a lot of risk as well. Uh, we have, you know, there is consequences for our decisions. If we make um, an error of judgment, you know, we can, you know, have large impacts and, 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 and big hits. So we've got to factor that in as well. But in terms of our cornering techniques and, and whether it's a low speed corner or a high speed corner, you know, our vision is absolutely crucial. We, you know, our anticipation on how far we're looking through the corner um, you know, some corners are taken at, you know, over 300 kilometers an hour, 320k an hour, some of the fastest corners in the world. So they're pretty quick. And, and that comes with, that comes with training. Of course, we, we, we come through the junior categories and you get exposure to those high levels of, um, G forces and, and speed. So, you know, keep in mind also, you know, when you watch a formula one race, if you sit on the floor of your lounge room and um, that's where our eye line is, you know, our eye line is, is incredibly low. So the sensation of speed is high. Um, you know, so the onboard camera that you see is, is a lot um, higher than what our eye line is. So, and we can't see much, you know, the helmet is, is pretty, it's a pretty um, sort of claustrophobic environment in terms of how you, the aperture that you look out of your helmet is, is quite compromising to say the least. So all of those things make the environment pretty hostile. Um, but we get used to it. Um, but it's certainly not for everyone in terms of driving at those speeds. And, uh, and we get pretty good at, um, yeah, the consistency, like all sports, mate, if you've got to be consistent, you know, you've got to be, um, you know, we're measured on, as I said, very, very fine margins. And if you can be as consistent as possible, lap after lap or day after day or year after year, uh, then that's important for, for the teams. Oh, excellent. Well, that's a bit scary, sitting on the floor, and that's your, your view <laughs> that you have. <laughs> that's, that's scary. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But, well, I reckon one of your strengths was how you took corners. You were probably one of the better corner takers in Formula 1 racing. Would you read? Would you, really, do you feel that was one of your strengths? Uh, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed high-speed corners. Um, mm -hmm. You know, naturally, all the guys in F1 are at a very, very high level. Um, they are the best. Uh, so they're all... You know, when you, you when you're dealing with the last, you know, four or five guys in the grid at the front, week in week out, naturally they're um they're extremely strong and they don't have many weaknesses. So, you know, to get an advantage is is not easy. Um, but sometimes it works out that you you do enough that um 
it's enough on a day to win and you can beat everyone. But it's uh, in my case, I, I did a bit of that, but not um, as much as some others and maybe, you know, quite a bit more than some others. So uh, it's, it's always a fine line. But the, the greats, the absolute greats, you know, all the world champions, um, the multiple world champions, you know, triple or, you know, um, there's a few of those triple world champions and Alan Prost on four and then, and um, Fangio and, and, and Michael and Lewis now on, on the big numbers. But, um, you know, those guys uh, don't like, naturally don't have many weaknesses at all. But I, I find that, yeah, if you, you know, low speed corners were not my signature punch. You know, I suppose I was, that was always a corner that I had to work really, really hard on the technical low speed stuff. But the high speed corners would come naturally to me. Um, and when I was at my peak, that was a part of my job that I enjoyed the most. Excellent. Absolutely brilliant. But Mark, yeah, you did well. With... Did you have a favourite track at all? Oh, Silverstone I enjoyed. Um, yeah, I, I won there twice, so that was always good memories. And Monaco as well. Uh, I think the tracks that you win at uh, have the races uh, in the pocket and they're, they're tremendous memories. Um, so, yeah, to, to, to win at those two events. Uh, and they're big races. They've been on the calendar for a long time, so they have a lot of historical significance, which is really nice. Um, and the atmosphere of both those events are generally awesome as well. You know, the Monaco Grand Prix is, is very special. It's uh, nearly worth a couple of Grand Prix in terms of its sort of how prestigious it is. So that was always a nice one to do well at. Um, Silverstone, I enjoyed. Um, Suzuka, I love that track. I never won there, uh, finished second, but it was, it was a fantastic circuit to, to drive at. Um, and yeah, Brazil, I enjoyed. It was Interlagos, a short lap, but a lot of character. Always something going on there. It always provided good racing, and it was a, it was a, it was a very, very good circuit. Still is. Um, so I managed to fluke a couple of wins there. So that was nice. So yeah, it was a. Uh, there is some, but my job is to enjoy them all, mate. I can't have a favourite track. You, know, you can't say, well, I can only drive these ones. You know, your your job is to, you know, again, like other sports, whether it's tennis or golf, or I don't like this surface, or I. I don't like this wicket and, you know, and then I perform better at these other places. It's your job to try and perform at every, every level you can and every circumstance yeah. you can because obviously the greats can and you always find someone that will give you a good kick in if you uh, don't perform at a track that you convince yourself you don't like. Uh, that is very, very true. But then, then am, I to, am I allowed to ask you which is the toughest track you've ever experienced? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, Bahrain... I never really enjoyed, uh, I, I, I always enjoyed driving an F1 car, don't get me wrong, I always enjoyed my job, but in terms of in, enjoying, like Bahrain for myself, I just couldn't, I didn't know, it was a tough nut to crack for me in terms of what to focus on technically with a car, and, right. and I think there was a lot of patience required there, um, so you need to be, you know, the more you sort of attack there, um, you don't get much reward back from it, so it's you got to be extremely patient and, and sort of, very progressive with everything there. So that was not really my style. And, and I suppose also even things like getting into the surface, uh, the track is very, very abrasive. Um, so yeah, that's what I just said. You know, if you, if you, uh, if I was to, if I was to say, we're going to have uh, 20 races at one track, I wouldn't pick that one. With Red Bull. Um, because I picked some others, but it was my job. I still went to, to Bahrain and, and tried to do my best. Um, and often it wasn't enough, but I still tried hard to work it out. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, Mark, but you're, you're really a tough guy. And I'm going to give a few examples later uh, as to why I said what I said. Um, but let's quickly chat about technology. And is that affecting the sport in quite a major way now? For example, do, do Mercedes have a bigger advantage than anyone else at the moment? 
Well, yeah, the sport naturally has always been 80-20, uh, 80% the car and 20% the driver. But, you know, the best drivers are always in the best cars. Um, and right. the best drivers always make the cars, the best cars better because technically they are more superior. They know how to give more feedback. They have more mind management around explaining to the engineers what they need. If you give that to um, a whole stack of average drivers to the f a phenomenal car over time, he will make that phenomenal car an average car, in my opinion, um, where the good guys continue to make that car better. Um, so there's a lot of you know, strings in your bow that you need to be a, a world-class driver and stay at the front. Um, and it's no you know, coincidence that you know, the best guys are always at the front of the grid in the best cars. Uh, so um, that's, that's always been the case. And they're, they're magnets together. And um, often, you know, there's lots of guys that also guys that can't really deal too much with the front. Sometimes they get a, a phenomenal car and, and it's really hard for them to, to, to have victories or even podiums or they just can't deal with, you know, racing at the front um, on the first two rows or the first, first row every weekend trying to aim for that because um, it's a different level of pressure. So some guys can operate quite well in the middle of the field, which is still a high level, but they can't really, you know, adapt to that next, that really that sort of like, nearly the Formula One plus, if you like, and the first two rows every single weekend is still another level again. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it is a highly technical sport. You know, we always know that, but generally, generally the best guys are at the front often. And, um, you know, if you're weak or, or, or not performing or not, frankly, just not good enough to be in, in, in a top car, you know, you might last a season, um, but you're not going to last that long because they'll find someone else who can do a better job. <laughs> yeah, that's that's tough. <laughs> we'll find someone else to do a better job. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, Mark, I mean, just reading up on you, you really are a tough guy. I think you raced and you had a broken left rib. Um, and then Japan, you had, I think it was food poisoning and you actually finished the race. And I think you actually threw up mm -hmm. while racing. Yeah. <laughs> And then you had the COVID on and flip, <laughs> but here you are, you're yeah. very strong. I mean, that, that must be one of the scariest moments for you. I think of the COVID on and flip when I think you t touched the tail and you went over. Um, yeah. What, what sort of goes through your mind and how do you feel? I mean, it's, that must be jolly scary. Yeah. Yeah. Look, naturally, like I said before, you know, the sport comes with its, with its risks and it is an error, error of judgment. Sometimes the penalty is small. Sometimes it's big. Um, and, you know, I did flip a car in Valencia. Um, as I say, it was quite a, you know, doing gymnastics with an F1 car at high speed is never a good thing. Uh, doing backflips at uh, high speed is, you know, very, very frightening. Um, and you're not sure how it's going to go. You know, you are concerned. Um, and, you know, thankfully the safety is very, very high. And I was very, very lucky. You know, like that, you really are in the lap of the gods of how that is going to end up because you, could, you, you get a... An impact the wrong way. Um, you know, we have had some fatalities in our sport in the last few years, which is which is really tough, and we learn from those um, as best we can and try to, um, you know, whether it's medically, whether it's from a from a track operational perspective, whether it's car design. You know, Formula One is is one of the best sports in the world, if not the best sport in the world, in terms of reacting to lessons as fast as possible. Um, so we continue to do that, but. Um, yeah, look, as a driver, I think that, you know, I, I, I certainly tried to pride myself on, um, on you know, turning up to work. Uh, I had a big responsibility, uh, you know, week in, week out with the, the people that were committed to me. And if I was feeling a bit rough or, of course, if I was carrying some niggles, 
um, I wanted to a sort of hide those niggles and do the best I could, and 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 b um, sh- that's the level of commitment I would I would I would like out of them as well. So for me to um, you know pull out of races or some test sessions or certain things which might have been you know certainly the easy option at the time, um, but when I was competing, I saw that that I, I have. Um, a big responsibility to myself, uh, to the people that invested up, you know, whether it's, you know, invested their time and effort, engineering and teamwork and all the rest of that goes into it to have a reflection of, you know, you've got to have high standards and, 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 and do, you know, give a hundred percent at that time. You know, we can deal with Monday when it comes. Let's not stress about Monday. You know, if I've got, you know, if I'm going to complicate, you know, sometimes the injury is a bit more or whatever it is, we'll deal with that at the time, but I've got to give a hundred percent today. And, and um, I didn't have the most skill in the world at all, but I, I believe that you know I tried to you know have the, the willpower to when I was competing to to do what I you know the control of controllables and give everything I had at the time to to give the best best uh, reflection of my, my myself as possible. Mm, excellent, excellent, Mark. That that's such a good good summary of your professional approach towards your your career. Well, excellent, Mark. But Thanks. Porsche is also a car that you've taken quite a bit of interest in. Um, could you tell us a bit more about uh, the World Endurance Championship? Well, what is that yep. all about? Yeah, the World Endurance Championship. I mean, sports cars has been around for a long time. It's very different to Formula One. Uh, you have multiple you know, drivers sharing one car because sometimes the races are you know, six hours long, 12 hours long, 24 hours long. Um, so naturally, you can't do some of those races on your own, if not any. So when I was coming to the end of my career in Formula One, Porsche uh, approached me to say, would I like to go and, and race in, in the sports car program and the WEC, which is a World Endurance Championship. And naturally, you know, any driver that gets a phone call off Porsche, was, uh, I was very happy to receive that and, and, and really go in. And it was a, a big voyage of, of, of sort of uh, a discovery for me in terms of going into a, um, it was a new team, obviously clearly well-funded and, and well-organized, as you'd expect from Porsche, but we still had to go through a lot of lessons. And, and, you know, it doesn't matter who you are in terms of how much coin you've got and setting up a new team of lots of individuals. I think we had about, you know, 27 or 30 different nationalities within the team. So getting that glued together culturally and, and get the winning mentality and the belief into the team uh, takes time. And we, you know, the team was, you know, very, very... You know, running very smoothly, very quickly. Uh, we had good leaders in the team and we managed to have a highly successful program. And I really enjoyed that. I had great teammates. We had we're a bit of a brotherhood to this day, which we enjoy each other's company. Um, and we got really thrust together very, very, you know, in a weird situation in, in, my, in my eyes anyway, because I wasn't used to that from, from Formula One. But the sports car guys, it's a very different uh, chemistry. Um, okay. it's, it's really, the races are long, they're tough. Um, you know, a lot of things can happen. You're never out of the race until it's over because they're so long. Um, and with with long races, you know, you get a lot of sleep deprivation. You know, the mechanics get tired, drivers get tired, so the emotions run a bit thin. You know, people, um, yeah, they, they, they really, you, you see people, you know, they're, they're true colours when they're, they're really, really, really tired. You know, when like, a bit like you now, mate, when you had to get up at five o'clock for this interview. <laughs> so, uh, um, but, uh, yeah, so when you're tired, yeah, you can, as I say, some people uh, react differently and, um, you know, some people aren't as good with the old deprivation of, of, of not getting much uh, beauty sleep. So that's interesting to see how that rolls out and, and you see people's characters really come out. So, you know, we see that the emotions run high. So that's why the sport's good because it does, uh, 
you know, demand certain, you know, different qualities out of people. Um, and yeah, I really enjoyed my time with Porsche. I'm still with them to this day as a, an ambassador for the brand. They're, they're an extraordinary company, um, in essence, with, with great sporting, you know, a great ethos for the sporting spirit and sports cars. And, and um, yeah, they're always doing some, some really sexy and cool things and, and I enjoy working with them. Uh, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, Mark. But then you, you were also involved in super, superstar racing experience. And that's slightly different from Porsche, isn't it? It's a similar uh, yeah, I was Yeah, I was going to be racing this year in the US, uh, but it's looking more and more challenging to get across there. So that's still a bit fluid at the moment. But um, I'm pretty much retired, mate. That would have been just for some fun. But um, I am uh, yeah, pretty much pretty much done now, mate. I'm, I'm eight kilos up from when I was competing. And uh, <laughs> my, eyes, my eyes aren't once what they were. They're pretty good. My eyes are still pretty good. But... Um, yeah. Certainly a young man's game, mate. I think you're kidding yourself. Some people can't let go of their, their previous life um, and they think they can still do things that they can't. Um, you know, for me, I feel that I've been pretty good at accepting that definitely my day is done and I don't want, you know, it's good also for the young guys. I mean, come on, you've yeah. got you to know when your time's up. I had a good run and it's, it's for the youngsters to, to come through, which was me those years ago and, and now I like looking at them coming through and, and having a red hot go too. So, you know, <laughs> you, you, youth, youth is important in every sport. You need youth, yeah. you need flamboyancy, you need them to take risks. And, and you know, with, sometimes with the old experienced hands, um, you know, they can be a bit bore, boring and predictable. So um, it's good to get out of it when you know you're, when you're done. Yeah, no, you're right. Always retire to your, your highest, I believe. So no, I, I agree with you, Mark. Very, very good. But with yeah. that, there's always comes some, some form of reward. And, and just, you know, you come across as dedicated, hardworking, tough guy, really, really tough, mentally fit, because um, you were in, inducted into the Australian Motorsport Hall of Fame. Um, that must have been a sort of nice sort of, you know, effect and feel like, yeah, there we go. You know, it's, it is a good achievement. And I, I think you're a worthy candidate of, the, of that. Yeah, no, thanks, mate. I think, um, you know, I... I was, again, I just worked with good people, mate. I, I got over to Europe. I was very fortunate to, to bump into good people. I, I, I managed to get some right results on the right day that just kept me, kept me in the game over there. And I think that's important to know you just got to keep swinging. And, um, you know, the, it'll, it'll, if you want it enough, you know, I didn't really have a plan B, to be honest. I just had a plan A. You know, it's like a one-way tightrope in a way. If you, if you give yourself too many options, you'll find, you know, you will do seven out of ten for all of them, you know. But if you just mm. do it, uh, focused and, and have that focus on on one prize and and and, and be very um narrow on that on, on on your vision and what you want to do and i think that um that worked out okay for me and i had to support a good people to to do that so then at the end of your career you naturally have a bit of a reflection um even though i don't look back too much but um you know i did enjoy flying the flag for australia no question about it it's pretty hard for us like it is for south africans in motorsport to you know do international competing at that level, um, competition at that level, I should say, and same for the Kiwis, and it's not easy, and that's why it's been, it's, it's, it was a long time between drinks, I think it was like 21 years between victories for Australians at that level, um, so it's, it's, you know, I think there's only four guys that have won at that level, um, so it's, I mean, you guys have got Jody Schechter, and you've had some some legends, but um, it's still it's still pretty slim pickings compared to the Europeans yeah. and some of the South Americans, so um, that's the way it is. Uh, but it's nice when the country, of course, gives you a bit of a pat on the back at the end of it all. But um, it's more for other kids to see, you know, what's possible. That's what's crucial is that they, you know, just 
dream big, just go really big and, um, and just have one plan and just go hard. Mm, mm, mm. Again, profound wisdom there. Absolutely brilliant, Mark. I really enjoy that. That's good. That's really, really good. Yeah. But the, the season's just around the corner. Um, mm. How do you see this one panning out? Is it going to be quite interesting? Because there's other things at play that are almost, almost out of our control to a certain degree. You're yeah. looking for quite an intense season coming up? Yeah, or well, naturally, uh, you know, with the with the Hamilton, the Hamilton effect with uh, with his team, and and you know, we uh, just saw Tom Brady do his thing in the, uh, in the Super Bowl, but I think the Hamilton effect is yeah. is reasonably similar. You know, that Hamilton Lewis just all the good people don't want to leave that team. You know, they've got the best people at the best people at, at Mercedes Benz now, and and that's um that's a credit to them. They've got good retention of staff. Uh, Headhunting hasn't been easy to get people out of that and disrupt that program. So the other teams are really, it's up to them to, to find a way to beat Lewis consistently. And unfortunately for them, he's still motivated and hungry. And that's the biggest, that's the most easiest and convenient thing that they, they are hoping that happens is that Lewis loses his motivation. Um, but his uh, trophy cabinet in his mind and his bank account is still empty. And that's a problem for the opposition. So uh, he is not resting on any laurels and he's not looking back. And um, he, he's a serial winner. Uh, he still enjoys driving at the, at the, at the, on the limits and, and, and finding new ways to, to improve himself, which is, uh, which is a credit to him. So I see Max Verstappen as the biggest threat. Verstappen has to be yeah. the, the obvious threat with Red Bull uh, to, to see if they can take it to him. Uh, Max is extremely strong in all conditions. Um, but they need a bit more power from that engine and they need a bit more downforce from the car and they need a bit more, um, you know, sort of the, in, the, the sensitivities around that car are still a little bit more than what you have with Lewis's car and his team. They just got that, you know, they've got a, they've got a golf club for every shot and sometimes, uh, you know, Max doesn't have that yet with his team. Um, and of course I'm a huge Red Bull fan. I'm still, I'm still with them, but I have to give credit where it's due. And obviously, Lewis is going to be hard to beat. Um, but we shouldn't say it's boring. You know, uh, yes, he's been dominating for a long time, but he has had a lot of championships that have not been handed to him. Last year, was he won it pretty early, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, COVID hasn't been easy, as you said. This year, we're going to have some, you know, these guys are going to be flexible with the calendar and the health and how they're moving around. But... You know, the car doesn't drive around itself. You know, Lewis has multiple opportunities to crash and make mistakes and, yeah. and do things which he can invent some issues. Don't worry. But he just, let's see how he goes. It's going to be, I'm interested to see if he can, how the cars roll out this year. And, and, and maybe they don't have the car this year. Maybe, they, maybe they're, they're going to get caught out. Um, yeah. But it's uh, going to be a good, he'll be in the fight. We know that. There's no question about it. He'll be there fighting for victories. Absolutely. And then quickly on, on your fellow countryman, Daniel Ricciardo. How do you think he's faring? He's, he's up there. He's working hard to get up yeah. to pole position, I believe. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, he's, I think his uh, share price is, uh, if I were, I'm not a big gambling man, but I think I'd be grabbing a few shares on him in terms of mm. the next 24 months. I think that mm. McLaren are really a team in the ascendancy. They've got the Mercedes engine now, which is more powerful than the Renault from last year. So they're looking forward to to that partnership, um, Daniel is um, yeah, clearly world class. I think that he's going to get a lot of podiums. He could jag a few victories next year. Um, the sport needs him at the front because he's good mm. for the sport. Uh, and I just hope that, um, yeah, McLaren can give him the car that that, that he deserves. And uh, and we all want him at the front because he's uh, <laughs> he's good to watch and he's exciting. And particularly yeah. on Sundays, <laughs> I mean, you know, over one lap, he's getting you know, obviously he's he's 
you could say maybe he's not um, at slowest and maximum level on on Saturday, but on Sunday, wow, he's um, he's pretty special. So uh, is, you yeah. know, let's see. Yeah, and then you got the return of Alonso too, which will be fascinating to see how he goes. Uh, yeah, the old boys, the old boys coming back, and uh, let's see if it's too many boxing rounds, too many, but we'll just see how that goes. Um, yeah, that's going to be fascinating. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, just get your opinion on, on one thing. I know it might be a bit tricky, but <clears throat> Lewis Hamilton and Michael Schumacher, greatest ever. What do you think? Or is yeah, it? I'd, I'd go with Lewis. I'd go mm. with Lewis. I just think that. Um, it's been done in a cleaner fashion, and of I think if you're gonna, you know, to compare those two is is so difficult anyway yeah. because they're both, you know, like you say, 14 world championships between them. Yeah. Um, whatever. What do you got? 160 victories. Ridiculous. I mean, these mm-hmm. those two have been the men for the last uh, 30 years, and um, you know, it's it's. Uh, Extraordinary. I think Michael, you know, certainly drove Lewis to, to high levels. He saw he had a bit of exposure to him. Um, there was a bit of a crossover in, 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 in 010, 11, 12, I think, when Michael came back a bit. But Michael wasn't at his best anymore there. That was obvious. Um, his best was in the first career. Yeah. The comeback didn't really work. But I think that, uh, yeah, Lewis just just um, doesn't, didn't really demand who his teammates were. Uh, so he's not really, doesn't care who's in the other car. You know, Michael was big on that. Um, and I think that, you know, just in terms of the, the level of how clean it is and, and, and ethically how uh, the boundaries, yes, Lewis has stepped over the mark a few times, but, but, but Michael would find that, unfortunately, that just that little bit more, which, which we all... We all know that he never, he didn't need to do lots of those things because he was just so good. But he just sometimes, um, you know, I think Ross Braun once said it was almost like a bit of a reboot mentally. He would do something that he, he had a bit of a uh, control alt delete on, which was sometimes, you know, just frustrating that he he had to resort to some of the tactics that he did. But mm-hmm. so for me, that's just one column which Lewis just might edge a, edge ahead on in terms of, um, yeah, having Michael covered. Interesting. Very very interesting. But Mark, you, you, sorry, man, we we all we're almost done there. I just want to ask you one or two more things. Um, you spoke about teammates there, and there was quite a bit of a bit of a spat between Sebastian Vettel and Leclerc. Um, how do you handle a situation like that? I mean, you're in the same team, but the same breath, you've got to mm. for yourself. You've got to make sure you get yeah. over there. How do you sort of handle it and not want to throttle each other? Yeah. <laughs> not easy, mate. It's not easy. Yeah, you have a lot of friction. Uh, you need good, strong management within the team. Mm. Uh, the the rules of engagement have got to be clear. A lot of transparency around uh, machinery within the team and and how the strategies work and how starts work. You know, there's lots of ways where you can have subpar machinery uh, that can make things uh, trickier for you um, if there's any agendas. So it's it's it's, it's a bit challenging. The sport is is um, you know it's it's it can happen where there's friction between two teammates um, and it's just that sort of uh, arm wrestle and, and you've got to try and, you know, mark your corner as best you can. Um, you know, I tried just in myself personally through, through 2009, through 2010, I was, you know, had some tremendous battles with Sebastian and then, um, you know, it's it sort of, I, I, I couldn't live with him from after the, after those years in terms of just technically the, you know, I, I wasn't diverse enough in terms of understanding the pearly ties and, and I think once he won the world championship, then then he was on his way in terms of equipment as well. But um, it's it's not easy to because you want to obviously have your team on. You know they get very territorial because there is nearly a curtain between the team because they want to protect you as well. So 
gets challenging, you need strong people inside the team, and it'll happen again. There's teammates that don't get on, there's fireworks. Um, it's happened throughout the sport for, for decades, you know, from the 60s and 70s. All the way through, there's been friction, and it'll continue because you get two guys that are close to each other and they want to fight, then there's tension. Mm, interesting. Very, very interesting. And, and Mark, as you sort of draw towards an end, are you still commentating on, on, on Formula One? Are you... Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I do do work for Channel Four in the UK, which I which I really enjoy with uh, David Coulthard. Oh my word! Now you're in Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, have you met DC? No, not yet. No, no, no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and Eddie Jordan actually. I know he's um, he does a bit of work with us too. I know he spends a bit of time down there in Cape Town. So um, we've had. You know, a good team. It's it's fun. We try to bring the people closer to the sport. That's important. Give them some education, but not in a patronising or condescending sort of way. We want to make them enjoy the sport and 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 fill them in. And as as let's call it experts, try to 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 bring them closer to the sport and and work out what the driver or mechanics or or, or key individuals in the team are going through when they're trying to watch on the TV. Excellent, brilliant. Well, Mark, you've been an absolute delight to chat to. Thank you so much for your time. Like I said, it's thank you. So good to talk about Formula One, a sport that yeah. is loved here, but I wish we could get more of it because yeah. um, I, I find it yeah. mind-blowing how you guys do what you do. It is, it's incredible, yeah. absolutely incredible. Uh-huh. Takes a proper. No worries, Ryan. Yeah. No worries, matey. Well, um, yep. Yeah, hope, uh, hope you have a good day, mate. And yeah, well, let's get a Grand Prix to South Africa at some point. Back down there to Kyle Army or somewhere. It's uh, yeah. It'll be awesome. I know the love's down there. So um, mm. all the best and um. G'day to all the uh, Formula 1 fans down in South Africa. Thank you. Bye, mate. Bye, Mark. All the best, man. See you later. Ciao. Bye-bye. Cheers, bye. Bye.